0: This is the audio lecture from Module 13, let's begin. Chapter 12, Section 1, Two Golden Ages of China. In the late 600s, Wu Zhao, spelled W-U, next word, Z-H-A-O, became the only woman to rule China in her own name. Her strong rule helped guide China through one of its most brilliant periods. At a time when Europe was fragmented into small feudal kingdoms, two powerful dynasties, the Tang and the Song, restored unity to China. The Tang Dynasty Reunifies China After the Han Dynasty collapsed in 220 AD, China broke apart and remained divided for nearly 400 years. Yet China escaped the decay that disrupted Western Europe after the fall of Rome. Farm production expanded and technology slowly improved. Buddhism spread while learning and the arts continued to flourish. Even Chinese cities survived. Although invaders stormed northern China, they often adopted Chinese civilization rather than demolishing it. Meanwhile, various dynasties rose and fell in the south. During the brief, during the brief Sui Dynasty, spelled S-U-I, in 589-618 AD, the emperor Sui Wendi, spelled S-U-I-W-E-N-D-I, reunited the north and south. But China was not restored to its earlier glory until the emergence of the Tang Dynasty in 1618. The Tang Builds an Empire The first Tang Empire, Li Wan, Li Yuan, spelled L-I, next word, Y-U-A-N, was a general under the Sui Dynasty. When the Sui began to crumble, Li Yuan, ambitious 16-year-old son, Li Ximin, spelled L-I-S-H-I-M-I-N, urged him to lead a revolt. Father and son crushed all rivals and established the Tang Dynasty. Eight years later, Li Shimin compelled his aging father to step down and mounted the throne himself, taking the name Tang Zong, spelled T-A-N-G, next word, T-A-I-Z-O-N-G. A brilliant general, government reformer, historian, and master of the calligraphy brush, Tang Song would have become China's most admired emperor. Later Tang rulers carried empire building to new heights, conquering territories deep in Central Asia. Chinese armies forced the neighboring lands of Vietnam, Tibet and Korea to become tributary states. That is, while these states remained self-governing, their rulers had to acknowledge Chinese supremacy and send regular tribute to the Tang emperor. At the same time, students from Korea and Japan traveled to the Tang capital to learn about Chinese government, law, and arts. The government and economy grow. Tang rulers, such as Empress Wu Zhao, helped restore the Han system of uniform government throughout China. They rebuilt their bureaucracy and enlarged the civil service system to recruit talented officials trained in Confucius philosophy. They also set up schools to prepare male students for the exams and develop a flexible new law code. Tang emperors instituted a system of land reform in which they broke up large agricultural holdings and redistributed the land to peasants. This policy strengthened the central government by weakening the power of large landowners. It also increased government revenues since the peasants who farmed their own land would be able to pay taxes. The Tang Dynasty Declined Like earlier dynasties, the Tang eventually weakened. After Tang emperors lost territories in Central Asia to the Arabs, Corruption, high taxes, drought, famine, and rebellions all contributed to the downward swing of the dynastic cycle. In 907 AD, a rebel general overthrew the last Tang emperor. This time, however, the chaos following the collapse of a dynasty did not last long. The Song Dynasty In 960 AD, a scholarly general named Zhao Guangying, spelled Z-H-A-O, next word, K-U-A-N-G-Y-I-N, reunited much of China and founded the Song Dynasty. The Song ruled for 319 years, slightly longer than the Tang, but they controlled less territory than the Tang. The Song also faced the constant threat of invaders in the north. In the early 1100s, the battered Song retreated south of the Huang River, spelled H-U-A-N-G. There, the southern Song continued to rule for another 150 years. As we will discuss later, in the late 1200s, invaders from the north, called the Mongols, attacked and overthrew the Song. Despite military setbacks, the Song period was a time of great achievement. China's wealth and culture dominated East Asia even when its armies did not. Under the Song, the Chinese economy expanded because of improved farming methods and open border policy. The latter allowed a new type of faster-growing rice to be imported from Southeast Asia. Farmers were now able to produce two crops a year, one of rice and one of a cash crop to sell. The rise in productivity created surpluses, allowing more people to pursue commerce, learning, or the arts. Through China's history, a system of canals had been built that encouraged internal trade and transportation. The Grand Canal, completed during the Sui Dynasty, linked the Huang River to the Chang River, spelled C-H-A-N-G. As a result, food grown in the south could be shipped to the capital in the north. The Grand Canal reached its peak during the Song Dynasty, when thousands of tons of grain were shipped to northern China each year. Under both the Tang and the Song, foreign trade flourished. Merchants arrived from India, Persia, and Arabia. Chinese merchants carried goods to Southeast Asia in exchange for spices and special woods. Song porcelain had been found as far away as East Africa. To improve trade, the government issued paper money. China's cities, which had been mainly centers of government, now prospered as centers of trade. China's ordered society. Under the Tang and Song, China was a well-ordered society. At its head was the emperor, whose court was filled with aristocratic families. The court supervised a huge bureaucracy from which officials fanned out to every part of China. China's two main social classes were the gentry, spelled G-E-N-T-R-Y, and the peasantry. The Gentry Value Education As in previous dynasties, the uh, scholar-official class formed the top stratum of society. Most scholar-officials at court came from the gentry, or wealthy landowning class. They alone could afford to spend years studying the Confucian classics in order to pass the grueling civil service exam. When not in government service, The gentry often served in the provinces as allies of the emperor's officials. The Song scholar gentry valued learning more than physical labor. They supported a revival of Confucian thought. New schools of Confucian philosophers emphasized social order based on duty, rank, and proper behavior. Although corruption and greed existed among civil servants, the ideal Confucian official was a wise, virtuous scholar who knew how to ensure harmony in society. Peasants worked the land Most Chinese were peasants who worked the land, living on what they produced. Drought and famine were a constant threat, but new tools and crops did improve the lives of many peasants. To add to their income, some families produced handicrafts such as baskets or embroidered items. They carried these products to nearby market towns to sell or trade for salt, tea, or iron tools. Peasants lived in small, largely self-sufficient villages that managed their own affairs. Heaven is high, noted one Chinese saying, and the emperor is far away. Peasants relied on one another rather than the government. When disputes arose, a village leader and council of elders put pressure on the parties to resolve the problem. Only if such efforts failed did villagers take their disputes to the emperor's county representative. In China, even peasants could move up in society through education and government service. If a bright peasant boy received an education and passed the civil service examination, both he and his family rose in status. Slaves in early China, however, did not have such opportunities. As in many other parts of the world, slavery played an important role in early China, though a limited one. Merchants have lowest status In market towns and cities, some merchants acquired wealth. Still, according to Confucian tradition, merchants had an even lower social status than peasants since their riches came from the labor of others. An ambitious merchant, therefore, might buy land and educate one son to enter the ranks of the scholar gentry. The Confucian attitude toward merchants affected economic policy. Some rulers favored commerce, who sought to control it. They often restricted where foreign merchants could live and even limited the activities of private traders. Still, Chinese trade flourished during Song times. The Status of Women Women had higher status in Tang and earlier Song times than they did later. Within the home, women were called upon to rule family affairs. A man's wife and his mother had great authority, managing servants and family finances. Still, families valued boys more than girls. When a young woman married, she became part of her husband's family. She could not keep her dowry, spelled D-O-W-R-Y, the payment that a woman brings to a marriage, and could never remarry. Women's subordinate position was reinforced in some times when the custom of foot binding emerged. The custom probably began at the imperial court, but later spread to the lower classes. The feet of young girls were bound with long strips of cloth, producing a lily-shaped foot about half the size of a foot that was allowed to grow normally. Tiny feet and a stilted walk became a symbol of nobility and beauty. Foot binding was extremely painful, yet the custom survived. Even peasant parents feared that they could not find a husband for a daughter with large feet. Not all girls in China had their feet bound. Peasants who needed their daughters to work in the fields did not accept the practice. Yet most women did not have to submit to foot binding. Women with bound feet often could not walk without help. Thus, foot-binding reinforced the Confucian tradition that women should re- remain inside the home. The Tang and Song Develop a Rich Culture A prosperous economy supported the rich culture of Tang and Song, China. Although their splendid royal palaces were long ago destroyed, many paintings, statues, temples, and ceramics had survived. Artists paint harmony. Along with poetry, painting and calligraphy were essential skills for the scholar gentry. In both of these crafts, artists sought balance and harmony through the mastery of simple strokes and lines. The Song period saw the triumph of Chinese landscape painting, steeped in the Taoist tradition, spelled D-A-O-I-S-T. Painters sought to capture the spiritual essence of the natural world. When you are planning to paint, instructed a Song artist, you must always create a harmonious relationship between heaven and earth. Misty mountains and delicate bamboo forests dominated Chinese landscapes. Yet Chinese painters also produced realistic, vivid portraits of emperors or lively scenes of city life. Architecture and Porcelain Buddhist themes dominated sculpture and influenced Chinese architecture. The India Stupa evolved into the graceful Chinese Pagoda, a multi-story temple with eaves that curve up at the corners. Chinese sculptors created striking statues of the Buddha. These statues created such a strong impression that many people today Picture the Buddha as a Chinese god rather than an Indian holy man. The Chinese perfected techniques in making porcelain, a shiny hard pottery that was prized as the finest in the world. They developed beautiful glazes to decorate vases, tea services, and other objects that Westerners would later call Chinaware. Artists also produced a porcelain figure of camels, elegant court ladies playing polo, and bearded foreigners newly arrived from their travels on the Silk Road. Chinese writing Prose and poetry flowed from the brushes of the Tang and Sung writers. Scholars produced works on philosophy, religion, and history. Short stories that often blended fantasy, romance, and adventure made their first appearance in Chinese literature. Among the gentry, poetry was the most respected form of Chinese literature. Confucian scholars were expected to master the skills of poetry. We know the names of some 200 major and 400 minor Tang and Sung poets. Their works touched on Buddhist and Taoist themes as well as social issues. Many poems reflected on the shortness of life and the immensity of the universe. Probably the greatest Tang poet was Li Bo, spelled L-I, next word, B-O. A zestful uh, lover of life and freedom, he moved about from one place to another for most of his life. He wrote some 2,000 poems celebrating harmony with nature or lamenting the passage of time. A popular legend says that Li Bo drowned when he tried to embrace the reflection of the moon in the lake. More realistic and less romantic were the poems of Li Bo's friend, Du Fu, spelled D-U, next word, F-U. His verses described the horrors of war or condemned the lavishness of the court. A later poet, Li Qingzhao, spelled L-I, next word, Q-I-N-G-Z-H-A-O, described the experience of women left behind when loved ones went off to war. Her poems reflected a time when invasion threatened to bring the brilliant Song dynasty to an end. Chapter 12 Section 4 The Emergence of Japan and the Feudal Age Like Korea, Japan felt the powerful influence of Chinese civilization early in its history. At the same time, the Japanese continued to maintain their own distinct culture. Geography Sets Japan Apart Japan is located on an archipelago, spelled A-R-C-H-I-P-E-L-A-G-O, or Chain of Islands, about a hundred miles off of the asian mainland and east of the korean peninsula its four main islands are hokkaido spelled h-o-k-k-a-i-d-o honshu spelled h-o-n-s-h-u kiaishu spelled k-y-u-s-h-u and shikoku spelled s-h-i-k-o-k-u seas protect japan japan is about the size of montana but four-fifths of its land are too mountainous to farm. As a result, most people settled in narrow river valleys and along the coastal plains. A mild climate and sufficient rainfall, however, helped Japanese farmers make the most of a limited arable land. The surrounding seas have both protected and isolated Japan. The country was close enough to the mainland to learn from Korea and China, but too far away from the Chinese to conquer. Japan thus had greater freedom to accept or reject Chinese influences that did other Eastern Asian islands. At times, the Japanese sealed themselves off from foreign influences, choosing to go their own way. The seas that helped Japan preserve its identity also served for trade routes. The inland sea was an especially important link among various Japanese islands. The seas also offered plenty food sources, and the Japanese developed a thriving fishing industry. Forces of Nature The Japanese came to fear and respect the dramatic forces of nature. Japan lies in a region known as the Ring of Fire, which is made up of a chain of volcanoes that encircle the Pacific Ocean. This region is therefore subject to frequent volcanic activity and earthquakes. Underwater earthquakes can launch killer tidal waves, called tsunamis, which sweep over the land without warning, wiping out everything in their path. Early Traditions the people we know today as the Japanese probably migrated from the Asian mainland more than 2,000 years ago. They slowly pushed the earlier inhabitants, the Anu, spelled A-I-N-U), onto the northernmost island of Hokkaido. The Yamato clan claims power. Early Japanese society was divided into Uji, spelled U-G-I, or clans. Each Uji had its own chief and a special god or goddess who were seen as the clan's original ancestor. Some clan leaders were women, suggesting that women enjoyed a respectful position in society. By about AD 500, the Yamato clan came to dominate a corner of Honshu, the largest Japanese island. For the next thousands of years, the Yamato Plain was the heartland of Japanese government. The Yamato set up Japan's only first and only dynasty. They claimed direct descent from the sun goddess. Amaterasu, spelled A-M-A-T-E-R-A-S-U, and chose the rising sun as their symbol. Later Japanese emperors were revered as living gods. While this is no longer the case, the current Japanese emperor still traces his roots to the Yamato clan. A Religion of Nature Early Japanese clans honored kami, spelled K-A-M-I, or superior powers that were natural or divine. The worship of the forces of nature became known as Shinto, meaning the way of kami. Although Shinto has not evolved into an international religion like Christianity, Buddhism, or Islam, its traditions survive to the present day in Japan. Hundreds of Shinto shrines dot the Japanese countryside. Though simple in design, they are generally located in beautiful, natural surroundings. Shinto shrines are dedicated to special sites or objects such as mountains or waterfalls, ancient gnarled trees, or even oddly shaped rocks. The Korean Connection The Japanese language is distinctly related to Korean, but completely different from Chinese. From early on, Japan and Korea were in contentious contact with each other. Korean artists and metalworkers settled in Japan, bringing sophisticated skills and technology. Japanese and Korean warriors crossed the sea in both directions to attack each other's strongholds. Some of the leading families at the Yamato Courts claimed Korean ancestors. Missionaries from Korea had introduced Buddhism to Japan in the 500s. With it came knowledge of Chinese writing and culture that sparked a sustained period of Japanese interest in Chinese civilization. Japan looks to China. In the early 600s, Prince Shotoku, spelled S-H-O-T-O-K-U, of the Yamato clan, decided to learn about China directly instead of through Korean sources. He sent young nobles to study in China. Over the next 200 years, many Japanese students, monks, traders, and officials visited the Tang court. The Japanese Visit China Each visitor to China spent a year or more there, negotiating, trading, but above all, studying. The visitors returned to Japan, eager to spread Chinese thought, technology, and arts. They also imported Chinese ideas about government. Japanese rulers adopted the title, Heavenly Emperor, and claimed absolute power. They strengthened the central government, set up a bureaucracy, and adopted a law of code similar to that of China. Still, the new bureaucracy had little zeal authority and beyond the royal court. Out in the countryside, the old clans remained strong. In 710 AD, the Japanese emperor built a new capital at Nara, spelled N-A-R-A, modeled on the Tang capital at Chang. There Japanese nobles spoke Chinese and dressed in Chinese fashion. Their cooks prepared Chinese dishes and served food on Chinese-style pottery. Tea drinking, along with an elaborate tea ceremony, was imported from China. Japanese officials and scholars used Chinese characters to write official histories. Tang music and dances became very popular, as did gardens designed using Chinese influences. As Buddhism spread, the Japanese adopted pagoda architecture. Buddhist monasteries grew rich and powerful. Confucian ideas and ethics also took root. They included an emphasis on filial piety, the careful management of relationships between superior and inferior, and respect for learning. Selective borrowing preserves culture. In time, the initial enthusiasm for everything Chinese died down. The Japanese kept some Chinese ways but discarded or modified others. This process is known as selective borrowing. Japan, for example, never accepted the Chinese Civil Service examination to choose officials based on merit. Instead, they maintained their tradition of inherited status through family position. Officials were the educated sons of nobles. By the 800s AD, as Tang China began to decline, the Japanese court turned away from its model. After absorbing all they could from China, the Japanese spent the next 400 years digesting and modifying these cultural borrowings to produce their own unique civilization. The Japanese asserted their identity by revising the Chinese system of writing and adding Kana, spelled K-A-N-A, or phonetic symbols representing syllables. Japanese artists developed their own styles. The Heian period, the Heian period, spelled H E I A N. This blending of cultures took place from 794 to 1185 A.D. During this time, the imperial capital was in Heian, present-day Kyoto. There, emperors performed traditional religious ceremonies, while wealthy court families like the Fujiwara wielded real power. The Fujiwara, spelled F-U-J-I-W-A-R-A married their daughters to the heirs to the throne, thus ensuring their authority. Women shaped the court. At the Heian court, an elegant and sophisticated culture blossomed. Noble women and noble men lived in a fairy tale atmosphere of beautiful pavilions, gardens, and lotus pools. Elaborate rules of etiquette governed court ceremony. Courtiers dressed with extraordinary care in delicate multicolored silk. Draping one sleeve out a carriage window was a fine art. Although men at court still studied Chinese, women were forbidden to learn the language. Despite these restrictions, it was Heian, women, who produced the most important works of Japanese literature of the period. Lady Murasaki writes the world's first novel. The best-known Heian writer was Murasaki Shikibu, spelled S-H-I-K-I-B-U. Her monumental work, The Tale of Genji, was the world's first full-length novel. The tale of Genji, spelled G-E-N-J-I, recounts the adventures and loves of fictional Prince Genji and his son. In one scene, Genji moves with ease through the festivities at an elaborate Chinese banquet. After dinner, under the great cherry tree of the Southern Court, the entertainment begins. The main event of the evening is the Chinese poetry contest. Genji and other guests are given a rhyme word, which they must use to compose a poem in Chinese. Genji's poem is the hit of the banquet. Elegant though they are, the Heian poems and romances are haunted by a sense of sadness. The writers lament that love does not last and the beauty of the world is soon gone. Perhaps this feeling of melancholy was prophetic. While noble men and women strolled through manicured gardens, clouds of rebellion and civil war were gathering. Warriors Established Feudalism Feudal warfare swept Japan in the 1400s. Disorder continued through the following century, yet despite the turmoil, a new Japanese culture arose. While the emperor presided over the splendid court at Heian, rival clans battled for control of the countryside. Local warlords, or even some Buddhist temples, formed armed bands loyal to them rather than the central government. As these armies struggled for power, Japan evolved a feudal system. As in the feudal world of medieval Europe, a warrior or aristocracy dominated Japanese society. In theory, the emperor stood at the head of Japanese feudal society. In fact, he was powerless, though revered, figurehead. Real power lay in the hands of the Shogun, spelled S-H-O-G-U-N, in 1192 AD. He set up the Kamakura Shogunate, the first of three military dynasties that would rule Japan for almost 700 years. This is spelled K-M-A-K-U-R-A. The Ways of the Warriors Often the Shogun controlled only a small part of the Japan. He distributed lands to vassal lords who agreed to support him with their armies in time of need. These great warrior lords were later called Daimyo, spelled D-A-I-M-Y-O. They in turn granted land to lesser warriors called Samurai, meaning those who serve. Samurai were the fighting aristocracy of a war torn land. Like medieval Christian knights in Europe, Samurai were heavily armed and trained in the skills of fighting. They also developed their own code of values. Known as Bushido, or the way of the warrior, the code emphasized honor, bravery, and absolute loyalty to one's lord. Noble women lose ground. At first, some noble women in Japanese feudal society trained in the military arts. A few even became legendary warriors. At times, some noble women supervised their family's estates. At, as the age of the samurai progressed, however, the position of women declined steadily. When feudal warfare increased, inheritance was limited to sons. Unlike the European ideal of chivalry, the samurai code did not set women on a pedestal. The wife of a warrior had to accept the same hardships as her husband and owed the same loyalty to her overlord. Peasants, Artists, and Merchants Far below the samurai in the social hierarchy were the peasants, artisans, and merchants. Peasants, who made up 75% of the population, formed the backbone of feudal society in Japan. Peasant families cultivated rice and other crops in the estates of samurai. Some peasants also served as foot soldiers in the feudal wars. On rare occasions, an able peasant soldier might rise through the ranks to become a samurai himself. Artisans, such as armorers and sword makers, provided necessary goods for the samurai class. Merchants had the lowest rank in Japanese feudal society. However, as we will discuss, their status gradually improved. Japan holds off the Mongols. During the feudal age, most fighting took place between rival warlords, but the Mongol conquest of China and Korea also threatened Japan. When the Japanese refused to accept Mongol rule, Kublai Khan, spelled K-U-B-L-A-I-K-H-A-N, launched an invasion from Korea in 1274 AD. A fleet carrying 30,000 troops arrived, but shortly afterwards a typhoon wrecked many Mongol ships and drove the invaders back to the mainland. In 1281 AD, the Mongols landed on an even larger invasion force, but again a typhoon destroyed much of the Mongol fleet. The Japanese credited their miraculous delivery to the kamikaze, or divine winds. The Mongol failure reinforced the Japanese sense uh, that they were the people set apart who enjoyed the special protection of the gods. The Takogawas united Japan. The Kamakura shogunate crumbled in the aftermath of the Mongol invasions. A new dynasty took power in 1338 AD, but the level of warfare increased after 1450. To defend their castles, Daimo gave arms to peasants as well as to samurai, which led to even more ruthless fighting. A saying of the time declared, the warrior does not care if he's called a dog or beast. The main thing is winning. Gradually, several powerful warriors united large parts of Japan. The first was Oda Nobunaga, spelled O-D-A, next word, N-O-B-U-N-A-G-A, who by his death in 1582 had unified Japan's central region. By uh, 1590, the brilliant General Toyotomi Hideyoshi, spelled T-O-Y-O-T-O-M-I, next word, H-I-D-E-Y-O-S-H-I, a commoner by birth, had brought most of Japan under his control. He then tried but failed to conquer Korea and China. In 1600, the Daimyo Tokugawa Ieyasu, spelled T-O-K-U-G-A-W-A, next word I-E-Y-A-S-U, defeated his rivals to become master of Japan. Three years later, he was named Shogun. The Takagawa Shogunate would go on to rule Japan until 1868. Central government imposed. The Tokugawa Shoguns were determined to end feudal warfare. They maintained the outward forms of feudal society, but imposed central government control on all Japan. For this reason, this system of government is called centralized feudalism. The Takagawas created a unified, orderly society. To control the Daimo, they required these great lords to live in the shogun's capital at Ido, present-day Tokyo, every other year. A Daimo's wife and children had to remain in Edo full-time, giving the shogun a powerful check on the entire family. The shogun also forbade Daimo to repair their castles, or marry without permission. New laws fixed this old social order rigidly in place and upheld a strict moral code. Only samurai were allowed to serve in the military or hold government jobs. They were expected to follow the traditions of Bushido. Peasants had to remain on the land. People in lower classes were forbidden to wear luxuries, such as silk clothing. The economy booms. While the shoguns tried to hold back social change, the Japanese economy grew by leaps and bounds. With peace restored to the countryside, agricultural improved and expanded. New seeds, tools, and the use of fertilizer led to a great output of crops. Food surpluses supported rapid population growth. Towns sprang up on the lands around the castles of Daimo. Edo grew into a booming sido, where artists and merchants flocked to supply the needs of the Daimo and their families. Trade flourished within Japan. New roads linked castle towns in Edo. Each year, Daimo and their servants traveled to and from the capital, creating a demand for food and services along the route. In cities, a wealthy merchant class emerged. In accordance with Confucian tradition, merchants had low social status. Japanese merchants, however, were able to gain influence by lending money to Daimo and samurai. Sometimes, merchants further improved their social position by arranging to marry their daughters into the samurai class. Zen Buddhism Shapes Culture During Japan's feudal age, a Buddhist sect from China won widespread acceptance among samurai. Known in Japan as Zen, it emphasized self-reliance, meditation, and devotion to duty. Zen had seemingly contradictory traditions. Zen monks were great scholars, yet they valued the uncluttered mind and stressed the importance of reaching a moment of non-knowing. Zen stressed compassion for all, yet samurai fought to kill. In Zen monasteries, monks sought to experience absolute freedom, yet rigid rules were in place. Zen Buddhists believed that people could seek enlightenment through meditation and through the precise performances of everyday tasks. For example, the elaborate rituals of the tea ceremony reflected Zen values of peace, simplicity, and love of beauty. Zen reverence for nature also influenced the development of fine landscaping paintings. Artistic traditions change. Cities such as Edo and Osaka, spelled O-S-A-K-A, were home to an explosion in the arts and theater. At stylish entertainment quarters, sophisticated nobles mixed with the urban middle class. Urban culture emphasized luxuries and pleasures and differed greatly from the feudal culture that had dominated Japan for centuries. New drama develops. In the 1300s, feudal culture had predicted no spelled N-O-H, plays performed on a square, wooden stage without scenery. Men wore elegant carved masks while chorus chanted important lines to musical accompaniment. The action was slow, and each movement had a special meaning. Many no-plays presented Zen Buddhist themes, emphasizing the need to renounce selfish desires. Others recounted fairy tales or struggles between powerful feudal lords. In the 1600s, towns gave rise to a popular new form of drama called kabuki, spelled K-A-B-U-K-I. Kabuki was influenced by no plays, but it was less refined and included comedy or melodrama. Puppet plays, known as Banraku, spelled B-U-N-R-A-K-U, were also enormously popular in towns. A narrator told a story while handlers silently manipulated near-life-sized puppets. Banraku plays catered to the popular middle-class tastes. Painting and Printmaking Japanese paintings often reflected the influence of Chinese landscape paintings, yet Japanese artists developed their own styles. On magnificent scrolls, painters boldly recreated historical events, such as the Mongol invasions. In the 1600s, the vigorous urban culture produced a flood of colorful woodblock prints to satisfy middle-class tastes. Some woodblock artists produced humorous prints. Their fresh colors and simple lines give us the strong sense of the pleasures of town life in Japan.